Jenny Page. Awesome. I'm sorry. I'm no, there. no, listen. When you say sorry, I have to do 10 push-ups, so no sorry. Okay, let's go. Shooting it raw? Yes. Shooting it raw. Jenny Page, thank you. Hello. I think this is the closest I've sat <clears throat> to somebody um, fiddling at me. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny Page, thank you so much. We are on Lama Island Yay. in Hong Kong. It is. Uh, excuse me if I uh, if I have rivulets of sweat going down because it's thirty four degrees outside. Yeah, let's just dive into the photo. Great. So this is what I see. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at it and decode it and see what I, I see. So you're in costume. That doesn't look like your real hair. No, I'm definitely wearing a wig. Okay, okay. You're wearing a, a crimson, blood red uh, dress with uh, underneath. It's like, a, what is the correct term for that blouse? Whatever it is. I should know this. Uh... Oh, I've forgotten the okay. actual uh, name, but yeah, it's the, the... So this looks like a studio photo. I actually just took that in my home. Oh! I had one of those crazy setups where, you know, you put a load of books on a table and you put your phone on the books and hope that it doesn't fall off and you spend hours trying to get the timer right. Right, oh, okay, okay. I was doing it to, as a very gentle kind of promotion for um, a medieval style. Uh, gig that I was going to do for my birthday so it didn't need to be anything professional um, but actually the photo turned out okay I thought it was yeah it's fantastic yeah. well okay so the image if you're, you're, you're in the dress behind you is like a cream colored wall the lights coming from the top because of the medieval dress it looks like a period piece kind of setup yeah you're holding your fiddle you're looking kind of down your face is quite neutral. Your hand is actually just blurry enough to suggest that it's that you're actually playing. I was actually playing. In fact, I was playing the tune that I just started here. Oh, now. it's an Italian uh, medieval tune called Sol Soltarello. Okay. And it was it was a dance, um, and this is one of the tunes used for the dance, and it was a court dance in medieval Renaissance Italian courts. Okay. Yeah, so I was playing that one in the photo just to make it look like I'm actually playing so but, it's not too posed okay so but th you said this was for your birthday yeah this year um in january because it's cooler in january so you can wear the clothes sure. like this in hong kong sure my fr good friends alex and sean softly um who also live on llama and who are two f uh, fantastic fiddlers in hong kong um they opened up their rooftop and with me they learned some Italian, uh, French, and British medieval music. Okay. And we put on a, a mini concert mm. because uh, because of COVID and everything, um, we didn't open it up to the public really. Just on the roof, people walking by could hear it. I I guess they probably could, um, but we didn't have many people walking past. But oh. we had enough people come to the rooftop. Everyone was being sensible and like keeping social distance and everything, um, because January we still had a lot of cases. But um, yeah, it was nice just to have a small gathering, mm -hmm. be able to play the music, and actually everyone that was playing with me. Um, so we had Alex and Sean on guitar and viola, and. A friend of mine, Yuko, was playing the barn, the Irish drum. Right, right. And uh, Chris was on the pipes. Oh, wow. And we were all dressed in, ah. not strictly speaking, uh, authentic medieval clothes, but um, we were dressed in things that felt like it sort of represented sure. that era. Okay. Um, because I have a couple of dresses with the long sleeves, so right. I lent them out to the girls, and then... Uh, Chris was wearing something that made him look 
a little bit. A sort of a mixture between a Lord of the Rings elf and uh, a medieval lord. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Everybody's... Okay, so uh, I love this. I love the photo. I love being welcomed into your, into your, into your world. I, I have to describe what's around because we're in, the environment is amazing. Okay, so in our exchange, you're like, do you like uh, Tolkien? And I made some silly joke. And what I like is everybody's kind of bent. Everybody's a little bit strange. Everybody's kind of idiosyncratic. Yeah. Uh, the fact that you went on a roof and you're playing together is beautiful. And I can imagine this, the setting, wintry, less, less full-on jungle, but still kind of green and, and dry brush, but you know, with the hillside behind and, yeah. the, and the water around. Yeah. But you're in, you're in Hong Kong. Yeah. So, you know, which is quite Asian. And then you're playing this music. Yeah. It's a little strange. Well, the wonderful thing about the people I was playing with on the rooftop as well is we're all members of the band Arbury, uh, which is traditional tune band. Uh, we play British, Canadian folk tunes and some Irish as well. And Arbury is made up of six people and we cover three different continents. Mm. We all met in Hong Kong. Oh, wow. um, apart from the Canadian couple, they're married, they met in, in Canada. But yeah, we've got two guys from Canada, one from the US, one from Japan. Okay. And then the Piper is from Hong Kong. Oh, wow. And then I'm English. Uh, okay. And I love that I moved to Asia and found people that not only do they like the same kind of music as me but they all play right the same tunes and if we don't know the same tunes we learn them and we'll have sessions sure not um not jam sessions but tune sessions i know um for anyone that isn't completely aware jam session like maybe you'll turn up uh and anything could happen any instruments could be there tune sessions it tends to be more uh, folk musicians turning up to specifically play tunes. Yeah, more structure. Um, yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah. And, and we'll do that often. And it's just awesome being in Hong Kong. And I think it's the reason that I'm still here. Mm. I never imagined moving to Hong Kong and, you know, actually settling and getting mm. my PR and, and uh, having a very solid... Home. Base here, and yeah, 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 yeah. Home with so much music. Wow, wow, so much music. So yeah, so we we yes, yes, totally. <laughs> we but we drifted off uh, uh, from the environment because uh, we're in your room and oh yeah, <laughs> uh, there it's like there's a harp behind me. <laughs> yeah. There there there's a harp. That's what is that That's called? A liar. A liar. Yeah. A, sorry, a liar. Yes, yeah. right. There are two liars in the room. One's made out of wood. I, as you promised, you have several bottles of gin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I like my gin. Uh, there are lots of books. Uh, Terry Pratchett, a few plants, very nice. Samira, an exercise bike, some hangers. Uh, That's my punk band. Okay, so there's a poster <laughs> on the wall that says Bali Chunder. Yes. What's the story of Bali? Am I saying it wrong? How, how no, do I say that it is exactly how Bali you Chunder. say it. Bali Chunder. Yeah, Bali, Bali Chunder. Okay, what is Bali Chunder? Well, Bali is a word that you'll often find in Irish towns, like... Right, right, right. Did you ever see the TV show Bally Kiss Angel? No. No, okay. Um, <laughs> that was a big one in Britain when I was growing up. Um, Bally, yeah. Okay, sure. Think, just, I, it, think Irish town. Okay, town. Because um, we're an Irish, uh, right. well, folk punk band. We okay. started off just doing Irish stuff, but now we do all sorts. Um, and then Chanda, meaning to throw up. Yeah. So... I guess it translates as to puke town. Yeah. Well, how how old is this? Po is this well the poster and how is it, how old is the band? Uh, the band started. That's a good question. Uh, we've been going for maybe four, five years. Also in Hong Kong. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a great punk scene in Hong Kong, and two members of one of the punk bands called Defiant Scum, which unfortunately no longer is going. <laughs> I know a great name, right? No, no, but it's like it's like you know the, the what's it called um, Monty Python when they're talking about like football teams or whatever. It's like all these crazy names. <laughs> it's just like right, okay, so Defiant Scum, go yeah, on. Defiant Scum, a uh, great punk band in Hong Kong. Um, the three, three of the members, uh, Marcus, uh, Marie, and Pierre, they uh, are good friends of mine, and uh, Murray and 
Pierre decided they wanted to go down the folk punk route, like do some wow. that something similar to the the Pogues, but even right. even more crazy. Okay. Um, and they put together a ragtag band of musicians and. Uh, who was it to begin with? It was a guy called James on banjo, and Jimmy on. Uh, oh, it has to be bass. Jimmy. You had to have Jimmy and James. Yeah, yeah right. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, Jimmy is the bassist in Arbury as well. Okay. So I, I get to be in two bands with him, which is nice. How many bands are you in? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, Arbury, over the border, Bali Chanda, Nag and Egypt. <laughs> and then I play with an accordion player um, okay, and I play with a uh, guitarist yeah. as well. Quite a lot. Six, six things going on. Well, uh, when I sent you a message, you was like, oh, I'm having a mental weekend because it's gigs all weekend. Yeah. Like, that is the best. You that's know, if true. You, you, if you, that's true. That's great. Yeah. Okay, so let's go back to this photograph. How is that opening a door you want to talk to? So I have for quite a lot of my life had the mentality that if you're going to do something it has to be done properly and it's taken me a long time to figure out how to make that work for me mm. because especially um, with my degree my degree being in folk and traditional music where's your coffee have more <laughs> take another sip you very nicely agreed to join me at like seven in the morning or whatever time it is right now <laughs> Feel free to sputter. It's good. Um, okay. And uh, obviously on this degree, we're learning a lot about traditional music of the British Isles. Mm. And we learn a lot about authenticity. And actually that, that came into so many of my modules on my degree, this idea of authenticity mm. in music in life in general. Like it was one of, that's one of the philosophical things I remember actually looking at um, in some of my modules. And I have always just been very aware of how a lot of musicians, particularly folk musicians in the UK, really do work very hard on their research. Mm -hmm. They're always um, looking for new music in the UK to bring to audiences, but keeping it traditional, keeping right. it authentic. Right. And I have always admired that and I, I love it, I do. But there's just so much else going on in my head. I want to do this, I want to mm -hmm. do this. But um, I've been so worried about how other people will react to that. Okay. Maybe there will be people turning around and saying, oh, but you know, you haven't done this or you haven't done this or you right, haven't done right. this. And um, I, may, I always feel like I haven't researched enough. Okay. And I think that that's my own issues, my own insecurities. And as I've gotten older, and certainly as I've moved to Hong Kong, I've started to just think, why am I putting off doing the right. things that I want to do? Because I'm worried about how other people will perceive right. it. Right. And the medieval night for me was a big step forward because I don't have authentic medieval instruments. I have played some before, um, in the UK, but I don't have any, especially not here, and I don't necessarily play the tunes exactly how mm -hmm. they would have been played. I have done a lot of research. I love reading about, you know, the history of the time and reading about musicians of the time, um, and I've been very lucky to be able to play with some wow. fantastic uh, musicians in the UK, which I, I was very happy about. Like one of my teachers on my degree, a guy called Paul Martin, mm -hmm. who is a medi he is a medieval piper, right. um, and he taught me a lot. I learned so much from him. But I just really wanted to bring that music back mm -hmm. and play it with my friends here, but also just have a night where we dress up right. and, you know, play the music, well, drink the, and have fun yeah. and just be merry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in, in my sort of personal exploration or whatever, this notion of dressing up, which sounds so childish or whatever, mm. but this notion of 
you know, inhabiting uh, a different persona or just or exploring, you know, like, for example, you getting down to the, to the clothing, which is not perfect, and the music, which is maybe not perfect, but in the situation or setting, not exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah. you are, is it a question of, you know, in terms of that notion of authenticity, is it about honoring the past? Is it about reviving the past? Is it about capturing something lost? What in that really kind of ignites your, your interest? Mm, that's a very good question. I think everyone's idea of authenticity in music probably differs a little bit. So I'm sure some people are coming to it thinking it's about revival, mm -hmm. accurate revival. Uh, other people are coming to it thinking it's about keeping it keeping alive. it alive. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think for me, it was about what I was worried was that I wasn't going to be representing it properly. Mm. But then I just thought, but by not playing the music, I'm not representing anything Anyways. at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I may as well just play the music. Sure. And the great thing about Hong Kong audiences, actually, I will say this about Hong Kong audiences, is they just love live music. Oh, okay. You don't get people coming up to you here uh, making comments about how you could work on this, you could work on this. Maybe friends will do that afterwards. Mm. But one lovely thing um, here is that people just enjoy okay. the live music, right. especially now yeah, yeah, with of all course. of, the, of the closures and everything. We take what we can get, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, so that was one really lovely thing about the medieval night. No one cared that we weren't playing right. exact. exact instruments right. of the time or, or that maybe one of the tunes we were putting in chords that wouldn't have been sure. played. We were just trying to create an atmosphere. Right, right, right. It worked well. Do you feel like it sort of begs to be asked in how you're describing it and... You know, I mean, we're having a conversation face to face, so I can read your face and your body language, whatever. So, is the notion of like imposter syndrome something? I have that so massively. What? No, no. Okay. <laughs> and I've talked to so many musicians about this, and teachers, uh, like some of my music teachers as well. And this is a a very big thing in the music world that mm. actually I don't think gets talked about enough. This idea of should I really be here? Like, do I deserve to be right, here? Right. Um, am I doing anything good? Am I bringing anything to anyone? And certainly you're always going to have gigs that don't go that well. Right. That's just, if you're gigging enough, it's going to happen. Of course. And after those gigs, it can be sure, sure. quite, for me, I should say, it could be quite mentally damaging. It was one of the reasons why I thought to myself, am I cut out? to be a full-time professional musician right and I made the decision not lightly that I was not cut out for full-time okay so I would argue in Hong Kong I'm a part-time right professional musician like I, I have my full-time day job and I do the, the music in the evenings and right. the weekends right. um, and this is kind of perfect for me because I'm not reliant as much on the income coming into sure, the music. Sure. So I really can take a step back if I need to. And that's been how I've got through the insecurities that right. I've had. Okay, so the podcast, it's, it's framed around photography, uh, using photographs. But the underlying question is, you know, we, we have one life. How do we live in a way that we make the most of every second, mm. right? And so, yeah. by talking to different people, you're you're the second musician, maybe the first. Everybody's a bit weird, so the first token bonkers person. That's a compliment, <laughs> kind of. Okay, uh, but so this is kind of how you craft an understanding of your life and of reality, and and I'm all about coaching people and helping people feel that whatever they're doing and going through is okay. So when you're saying that, the whole thing about the imposter syndrome and everything, part of it could be because of an age, right? Like, mm. I think when you're younger, you, you really give a fuck about everything. So shit, I have to get this right. But the older you get, you're like, ah, I 
but I'm just gonna have fun. Or, That's anyhow. definitely happened. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm glad that I do think about these things because I do think that it is important to I think about the history of music and where how far it's come and what it used to be like you know the instruments how they, mm-hmm. how they were really played and you know I will happily 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 go to uh, say a baroque uh, or renaissance performance um, mm-hmm. with musicians playing actual instruments and the things that they can do to keep this music alive are absolutely superb yeah. it's astounding it's just that I I also wanted to do other things In this photo that you sent, it's called Keeping Busy and Mentally Healthy in COVID Times. Okay, you're in this incredible space that if you haven't seen it before, it's it's quite, um, it's a bit surreal. It's a, it's a kind of luxury hotel slash art space. I mean, I'm sure it is K-12, right? Uh, K, K-11 Musea. Okay, sure. K-11 Musea. I know that there are a few, but it's the one by the water, the building yeah. with all of the green plants down the side of it. Right. There's a really beautiful building. It's amazing. On the TST side. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. It really is. I'm, I'm not the sort of person that goes to malls to spend time because crowds can sometimes make me feel a little bit agitated. Same, same, yeah. So sometimes shopping malls in Hong Kong can be <laughs> bad spaces for me. <laughs> and But this one is just something else. Yeah, it's, really, it's, quite, it's quite intense. I mean, I think one of the criticisms against it is that it's beautiful, it's luxurious, it's all these amazing things, and it's so crafted. Mm. So it is, it's like visually just unbelievable. So, so in the photograph, you uh, are standing, uh, I guess, on the downstairs on the nice tiles, gray tiles. Next to you is a man with a gigantic... Yeah, that's, a, the, that's the a biggest accordion big I've ever seen. <laughs> it's it's a humongous <laughs> accordion. Either that or the guy is tiny. I mean, like it, it's so big, uh, and he's mid playing, and you're standing next to him. I was gonna say that you guys are in your fine dress attire. That that's it. We are. We had to dress smartly for this gig. Sure, um, and and so you're you're playing downstairs. Just to the to the um, to the public. Yeah, anyone who is uh, happens to be wandering around the mall. COVID times. Time. Yeah, yeah. You can tell by the masks mm-hmm. that um, in order for us to be able to perform here, we have to be masked at all times. Right. So, which means no oboe for me, which is a shame. But I do like playing the violin. Okay. Middle, so, are you drifting away from the violin? No, I wouldn't say drifting away. No, um, I. To be honest, I kind of drifted away from the oboe. Oh. Uh, the oboe was my inseparable instrument. <gasps> That's why I included the, the last photo okay. of me with my oboe. Oh, a bit of foreshadowing. Yeah. Very nice, very nice. <laughs> um, I definitely drifted away from the oboe, which shocked me a lot, and I'm trying to drift back towards the Okay, <laughs> okay. How long, when you have these gigs, how long were you playing for? So this one is a bit different from your average gig. We would play for 15 minutes and then... Take a break, play okay. for another 15 minutes, take a break, another 15 minutes, take a break, another 15 minutes. So two hours, but wow. um, 15 minutes of playing, 15 minutes break. Always in the same spot or moving around? Uh, the first time I got asked to do this, we stayed in the same spot. The second time we were actually walking around, we were going outside as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and it was actually a lot of fun because I love the gigs where people aren't always you know sitting down listening it's nice to get a little bit of both yeah it's nice to have the gigs where people are sat listening to you and it's also sometimes nice to just do the gigs where you can just play and not worry so much Uh and that was one of them and the piano accordion player that i'm playing with his name is nazar he's a very talented classical piano accordion player uh we met free space uh jazz fest in november last year 2020 and um, I got chatting to him I was showing him some of the, the folk music that I do and he was really interested to learn uh, some British folk music so we've been working on tunes since wow. then 
and it's going well. Yeah, the music sounds good, I think. Um, so he's the one that got me the gigs. Okay. okay. And it's been really good for me just being able to play out, even if it's in a mask. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, the masks, I know that sounds bad. I understand exactly why we no. have to wear the masks. But when you're playing the violin, every now and again, because the violin's on your shoulder, it will push the mask up and then you get poked right in the, in the eye. eye. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a, been a whole other learning curve, right. learning how to play the violin while wearing a mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But it's kept me sane. Yeah. The music has kept me sane. Sure. Okay. And with all the closures of the... Obviously, I, I understand why countries around the world are, are doing this. It's not a criticism, but I... I it is. It has been hard not getting the gigs in, and I'm sure every musician around the world performers are like, "I need an audience." Agree. Yeah, 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 exactly. So th- yeah, it's really amazed me how so many musicians have really just worked out things like maybe they've done a lot of recording, yeah, or, online courses, yeah, I know, like shows or whatever. On, all the online stuff, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I ha- I did do a couple of live streams, um, which was good. Um, so that got me into doing some gigs that way. But I am not very technologically uh, capable. Even the, even, even the word is kind of like... <laughs> yeah, like, like I struggle uh, to say the word. Yeah, exactly. No, no, okay. <laughs> um, I, uh, I mean, I joke that I am sort of stuck in the 15th century. Okay. Um, yeah, I've just about figured out how to use my smartphone. Okay. So for me, I've been relying on other people sure. to help me get the music in because I just haven't... Well, I, I can imagine... I don't think you have to whisper. You're in your own house. <laughs> yeah. and you're not going to get in trouble. Uh, it's one of, I think what it is, it's interesting to me that... Okay, through this podcast, I've gotten the excuse to reach out to strangers... And it's all about sharing how different people are either coping or making meaning or and really diving into like, well, why, why this and why that and how? And so for me, it's a treat. And it just reveals how different people's function. Mm. And so for you, for example, like we're on Lama in this nice, cozy apartment on this island outside of Hong Kong, which is nuts and, and full on. And in this small space, your your uh, small space is not a, a judgment because no, Hong, Hong Kong, Kong. <laughs> Hong Kong, everything's small. So yeah, but uh, uh, and this could be a cue for you to drink some coffee. Anyways, I'll edit out all the crappy stuff. <laughs> but um, especially gurgling. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> definitely done that at one point. But it's just fascinating to me to see how people make sense of the world. And right now, it's like every with with COVID, everything's kind of. People who need an audience, what do you do? Yeah. And how do you create that, that opportunity? Um, I have been just trying to meet as many musicians as possible to just play, rehearse. The Canadian couple in Arbury, yeah. Alex and Sean, they have a wonderful rooftop on Lama that um, they've been able to have rehearsals on. Nice. Uh, and uh, just so we've been getting music in that way. And then I have just really, really taken to ah how to explain um i'm i'm still not very good talking about this because your I'm english still... is very good i oh, have to you. say <laughs> you know you're very you're, you're very articulate you're speaking very well um, is that what you mean no well, <laughs> so i at just before covid hit i'd made this promise to myself that i was going to go down the cosplay route finally okay because i have always liked dressing as different yeah. characters yeah, yeah. and I love changing how I look okay. and I love, it's kind of an art form for me and I yeah. love being able to include my music in this. Okay. So I guess my way of coping was combining the cosplay and the music, which was the medieval night, I guess, um, just having fun with the costumes right. and the music. Because you could argue that, I think that I would say that um, we were not bringing authentic authentic uh medieval european music but what we were doing was creating a medieval style an atmosphere that could transport people to a slightly different place and maybe going along some sort of lord of the rings line like sure something a little bit like that 
some kind of weird fusion of medieval European um, with fantasy, right? Um, which actually ended up being quite good, I, I think. And we all had a lot of fun. And that's been my coping mechanism, just pushing myself to do the things I've always wanted to do that I've been too scared to do because I've been worried that because of the imposter syndrome thing we were talking about right. before, that I, it, it wasn't going to be good. It wasn't going to be good enough. It was going to, people were going to find it strange or right. weird. But right. the wonderful thing about, particularly about Lama, is people do just sort of throw themselves into things. Sure. Well, sure. Hong Kong in general, um, I have noticed that since moving here. I've come out of my shell. Okay. Okay, this is a sharp turn from the previous conversation. Yes. In that we're sort of we're talking about you in music, coping, and then in this photograph, can't see your face. Your back is turned to the photographer. On your forearm is what I know to be a uh, guard. Is it like a, a, yeah, a, a yeah, drawstring yeah. guard? Yeah, it just yeah it stops the string from hurting. You're pulling back uh, in very nice form. You're pulling back uh, with your elbow nice and high. You're pulling back a, a, a wooden shaft arrow on a I bow. It's bam- I think that's a bamboo arrow. It's a bamboo arrow. I think. I will double check. Okay. Check yes. Yes. And you're pulling back a more classic uh, okay. style bow. Yeah. This is a traditional uh, Chinese style or Mongolian style bow. I've been learning for a year. In oh, Hong nice. Kong. Um, my teacher, uh, I met him through one of the archery centers in Lai Chi Kot. Ah, and then, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good one. But now we go to one in Sampo Kong um, and I have lessons with him. He's a great teacher. I have a lot of fun. Okay. Him. And yeah, it's, this ties in with what we were talking about, you know, coping and finding coping methods during 2020 and 2021. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I just needed something to help me regulate myself, help me regulate my emotions. I was getting so stressed Mm -hmm. and there was not a lot of music happening. And this was my realization that gigs had kind of been my, my crash mat, you know, that when things were going wrong in my life, I wasn't necessarily dealing with it like I should be because Gigs were keeping me right, going, right, right, giving right. me energy, keeping me high. Yeah. And losing so many gigs just due to closures made me realize that there was there were some deep issues that I needed to resolve, which I, I mean, we all have, everyone has their own sure. things. So I'm sure everyone can, as I'm sure this resonates with everyone, Mm -hmm. Uh, nothing special here, but it was an important moment for me because this was the first time I was really realizing that I had a lot of stuff I needed to work on that I hadn't been for so many years, Mm -hmm. Um, especially with moving to Hong Kong and continuing the music here. There have just been so many distractions. Right. Hong Kong can be a very distracting place. Sure. And I mean that in a very good way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I was trying yoga, meditation, things like this. And I'm sure if I go back to it and keep trying, I can I can succeed. But it just wasn't it wasn't right for me at that time. Going it back wasn't to working. It, it being what, yoga? Meditation? Um, uh, yeah, yoga and meditation. I wasn't, it wasn't helping me to calm sure. myself, regulate my emotions. I know it works really well for so many people, but it wasn't right for me at the time. Mm. And so I was trying to think, oh, what can I, what can I do? And I remembered trying this in the UK. Okay. And I just thought, why don't I, I see if I can do archery in Hong Kong? And turns out there are so many Nice. Uh, archers in Hong Kong, so okay. many teachers, so many rangers, which is great. Okay. And I got in contact with the first one that came up on Google, which was the Golden Trust one yeah. in Lai Chi Kok. And it just went from there. And I very quickly realized that this was 
a very, very good way for me to build my focus oh. and build my mental strength because especially with um, the approach that my teacher's been using with me, it's very similar to martial arts. Yeah. I mean, this is, he's explained to me, archery is sure. uh, one of the arts in, in, in China and the way they approach archery is same way they would right. approach uh, approach the martial arts that they have sure. so we've he's been teaching me something called the 10 steps of archery and wow. it's it's very steady very controlled very focused mm -hmm. and it's really helping nice i love it and oh wow you should see your face yeah <laughs> i believe you i believe it i know my eyes just light I up i believe it i totally believe it I get a little sparkle um okay so only because i have to somehow connect with that uh you in the uk stumbled upon archery it was actually because of the medieval music okay i was going to a lot of fairs and getting to try it there which right. was great and we got to have archery lessons when i was in primary school as right, well, right. which was kind of fun um, that's a different sort of experience like compared like for example i would i personally have had a, a sort of obsession with archery in that I remember as a kid having a, a sort of a dream about using a bow mm. and then having a recurring dream of using a compound bow. Oh. And then finally, like two years ago, actually when COVID started mm. uh, and I, I brought my daughter to, to Savannah, Georgia. And I just, I just, I think I may have had, it was a, it was like sparked by a dream or something, but then I woke up one morning and I was like, I'm going to get a bow. And I, I haven't touched a bow, nothing. And so yeah. I went, I, I ended up uh, getting this really, really nice bow and, and uh, slowly getting into archery as well. And having gone to the, the range in like Chicago and mm. not traditional. You were so, using yeah. recurve or compound? It was a compound. You're using compound. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, haven't, I, I haven't tried compound. Well, okay. If you can pull it back, <laughs> it's very strong. But, yes. um, Imagine. but yeah, so, but one of the things if we're going to talk about imposter syndrome, in which I'm an imposter of 99% of things mm. in the world, um, I would not associate archery with a meditative, calming, focusing thing. So, like, let me understand that. Why, why, how? Because it's all about... Um... Okay, so let me explain it through the way I approach trying to hit the bullseye, like, in the middle of yeah. the target. If I am aiming, trying yeah. to get exactly in, in, in the middle, I'm never going to hit right. that. If I'm aiming only by looking at the target and just trying to hit that, it just doesn't happen. It's all about your body. It's all about doing the technique mm. spot on. And the actual aiming with the eye is almost... For me, it feels almost secondary. Yeah, which no, I understand sounds that. kind of crazy, but... I understand it totally. Yeah, um, and so I am more likely to be hitting that yellow or gold or um, when we use the traditional Chinese ones, I think it's a tiger's face. Mm -hmm. The target, I mean. Uh, I am more likely to be grouping well and hitting close to the middle if I am focused on my breathing, my strength in my arms, holding the bow properly, mm. not overextending and yeah. or um, not uh, making sure that I'm anchoring in the same place. If anyone right. doesn't know what I mean by that, it's when you draw the arrow back, you want to make sure you are drawing it back to the same place every time. So you choose like a spot. Uh, when I'm drawing back in my face, it tends to be around my uh, cheekbone. Sure. But I've also been learning how to aim lower yeah. so i'm bringing it closer to my heart and if i'm doing all of this and really aware of my body mm -hmm. then the arrow flies straight sure and that for me was a when i realized that i just remember thinking oh this is a really kind of important life lesson like instead of trying to make everything happen the way i want it to right i need to just focus on who i am what i'm doing and if it doesn't work out the way I wanted it to, just to let it go mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just keep focusing on who I am, how I'm approaching everything. And so archery kind of was this, it was this light bulb moment that archery gave me on how to 
find more inner peace in right. my own life. I also got very good advice from people around me, like my archery teacher was saying similar things. I have other friends who are quite uh, spiritual who gave me fantastic sure, advice on this too. Sure. And it kind of reinforced this idea that I'd come to learn just through archery. So for me, I think one of the reasons why it's working so well for me now, I don't get the imposter feeling yeah. when I'm doing the archery because I am still very much a student. Right. And that's really working well for me because I don't feel like I'm doing something that I, sh I don't feel like I shouldn't be there. Like mm -hmm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm in Hong Kong. I yeah. want to learn more about, you know, the traditions that... Hong Kong and, and China have and it, it it is really great for me to be able to do that and the wonderful thing about learning the Chinese Mongolian style is the steps that they do take and it's so steady and so slow and it's all just focusing on you right. and bringing right. it into you and focusing on what you're doing and that helps me outside of archery that helps me because I'm much more aware of maybe when I'm getting tension in certain yeah, parts yeah. of my body yeah. and as a musician this is something I should have been already good at because mm -hmm. you know you can especially if you're a fiddle player you need to be careful with your shoulders and sure. things um, but I guess I just got lost along the way with that and archery has helped me to bring Remember? this back yeah, yeah. bring this back take care of myself sure. and and I'm building up my upper body strength Okay. I'm actually getting some muscle here now. Okay. Uh, my my right arm is much bigger than my left arm Please now. note that she's flexing for the audio. <laughs> I love it. This is the biggest my arm's ever been. That's it's great. still tiny. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I yeah. Let me connect a few dots to that. So mm. one thing is that connecting it to as a kind of martial art. Okay, mm. so I've been doing martial arts, a certain kind of martial art, like Thai, like Muay Thai for 25 years. Mm -hmm. And... I can handle myself well enough, but I would never say that I have a mastery of it right. in the sense that I would always say that I'm a student. I'm a yeah, student with yeah. 25 years of experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I am, because of that and other things, I'm very aware of physical expression, physical movement and everything. So I mentioned earlier, you know, this is the closest I've been to somebody playing a fiddle. Mm. I was aware of when we started, because you didn't warm up. You just sort of picked it up and just started playing. I know, playing. I wish I had warmed up. <laughs> no, I know you should have, but in a way you're warming up through the the, the recording. Mm -hmm. And I could see in your in your hands, I could see that originally it's like, was it the, the being self-conscious of us recording with a microphone and me, this weird person in your in your house and this new person and, and you're playing and all of a sudden you're like on this way, hey, play something you're just like oh okay so i'm yeah. kidding so but you know what i mean like and what was interesting was that as you kind of got into it more i could see in your in your face and your fingers and and i could see that you're kind of settling into the, the practice like okay i know the, you know your body was kind of getting more into mm -hmm. it and the music sounded a little bit um less worried mm. i guess yeah yeah i probably should have warmed up a little bit i was very aware when i started that my fingers are sleepy. Sure, sure. Well, you hadn't had your coffee. It's yeah, okay. exactly. But you know, so let's tie that. Let's tie that to to the the archery in that it's this notion of you could, like, for example, my my bow is like bells and whistles. You know, because I bought it secondhand, so mm -hmm. it came with all the bells and whistles of like cool. the the the, um, the sights and everything. And, yeah. And um, so that's one way of nailing your your aim so well yeah and yet there's I, in this idea of shooting instinctively right you know yeah. that, that's really I think, the word which is what you have to do i guess with the traditional bows because we just don't have any yeah. help yeah i i have never shot with a modern bow it's always been with a a traditional bow i just that's what i love i mean I probably should try one just to see well, what it's listen, like. Listen, it's not like but... you have years of experience. I never <laughs> shot. A... It's like, wait a second. No, I, oh. I just mean because I was going to the medieval sure. fairs and stuff, so right. they didn't have the modern bows. Yeah, so yeah. every time I've tried it, it's always been okay. with a very basic right. bow. And but it's it's kind of fun for me to do that, and I don't care about. 
how much I'm missing. Of course, target, of course. How much I'm yeah. Missing it. yeah, yeah. Um, it really is just for me. It's just fun. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. So when you go, um, how long do you normally shoot for? An hour. An hour? Okay. Um, sometimes. The other day I went for an hour and a half. Okay. Um, but we were shooting from 18 meters, and that that would be my first time going 18 meters for a few months. So okay. I, got, I did get quite tired. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I slowly built up to 18 meters, but then I had some friends join the lessons, yeah. uh, which is really nice. It's nice to be able to share it with someone sure. as well. It kind of brought even more energy to the yeah. lessons because yeah, yeah. I'm still focused on myself, yeah. but it's also nice to just every now and again break that and then just have a conversation. Well, we're social animals. Exactly. Yeah, so. So now in this photograph, uh, you hinted at it, at it before, and uh, we're we're gonna get into it. So in the in the photo, but uh, so you're you're standing, holding your an oboe. Mm -hmm. That's Nemo, my oboe. Nemo, you're holding Nemo, your oboe. Behind on the screen is a a, uh, a slide of uh, you know a very nice logo of the name Arbery, which yeah, I understand the, is your band. band. Yeah. Uh, and then behind you, I see like amps, and I see what looks like maybe a drum kit on the right, but definitely the fiddle. Uh, and we're talking about costume before. I don't think you're in costume in this one. No, just formal-ish gig. So this was a, a gig where we had to be kind of smart, but it doesn't have to be white tie, black tie, okay. kind of smart. Um, Let's just wait for that. Sorry. Helicopter landing. Is it landing? Yeah, it's, it's coming down. Switch. As a performer, I should be yeah. doing this regularly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so I've been doing I've been doing this with um, you know the medieval knight, pushing myself to do that, um, and pushing myself with the accordion player. That's okay. Because we've got two very different musicians coming sure. working together, and it's really making me change how I view things, change how I see things, change how I work on things. Mm -hmm. And so it's very good for me. That's pushing me out of my comfort zone. Mm. Um, and this is going to tie very nicely into the oboe. Uh, Great. <laughs> um, just pushing myself to do things that I've always wanted to do, but I've never had the confidence before. Okay. And I'm finally reaching a point where I just say, just do it, Jenny. So when you asked, I thought my initial response was, I have nothing valuable to bring to a, a podcast. But then I thought, just do it. It turns out you're wrong. Wow. So far. Okay, last photo. It's, it's all downhill from here. No, don't worry, don't worry. Don't worry. Okay, so in this photograph, uh, was it? when was it that made? This would have been March 2020 okay. at Laubach. The restaurant um, uh, slash venue in the West Kowloon Cultural District. Okay. Free okay. space. Oh. Um, and we were very lucky. They let us um, come do a gig at the restaurant, and it was so much fun. Oh, wicked! Yeah, and this was my first time performing on oboe in a long time, and I was very nervous. And okay. Because. Nemo and I, that's my oboe, uh, we were inseparable in the UK. M when I was doing my folk and mu traditional music degree, fiddle was my secondary instrument, really. Okay, it okay. was the one that I had more lessons on just because it was difficult for them to find me an oboe teacher. Okay. Um, but, uh, and my fiddle playing did improve a lot. I had a wonderful teacher, Katrina McDonald. Um, she was fantastic. She really helped me to become much more confident with my playing. Right. Um, so I left the degree a completely different fiddler sure. in, in amazing ways. Sure. Um, uh, but definitely oboe was the one that I felt confident on. It was the one that I, I would want to play more. Right, I, right, I right. identified more as an oboist than I did a violin okay. player or a fiddler. Um, this, all, all of my friends from university, they'll, they'll tell you, you know, that that was 
it was just a part of me. Right, right. I had. Well, you named it. I mean, like, well, yeah, it's got a name. Yeah, you know, so it's like it's he obviously. Has actually, he he has a name. He has a name. Okay. Yeah. Um, and every gig I did, he would be with me. We would be doing the gig together. Right, right, right. Um, whereas now, most of my gigs in Hong Kong. It's the fiddle and yeah. the oboe is the secondary does, instrument. Does does the fiddle have a name? No. <laughs> they see the fiddle doesn't have a name, but your oboe does. I know. That's an yeah. interval. Okay, so so like okay, I mean, it, is it pop psychology that I have these conversations and like, oh, what does this mean? And then it was, oh, what? So um, so here we have you moving to Hong Kong in a way shaping yourself to the opportunities that come up here. Mm. Some of them require a fiddle. Some of them require living on or off llama. Some, you know, mm. you're you're taking these jobs, and then you're you're you decide. Like earlier, you mentioned it, I, and I, I'm only I only mention it because you you said it in a way that made me notice. Where you said I consciously decided not to be a full time musician. Yeah. Right. So, and I could see on your face that that was a, a decision of some importance, and so. Now, as you're evolving through COVID, as you're you're growing um, yourself, uh, you suddenly rediscover uh, Nemo, mm. right? Yeah, I just reached a point where I thought, if I don't start playing again now, I may never, I may never play the oboe again. You know, right. uh, I have a wonderful friend from university. Um, uh, whose mother, um, also a lovely friend of mine, she would give us teaching work at her school mm -hmm. every summer, um, and she used to play the oboe. Oh! And I remember her telling me that she just stopped playing one day and just never picked it up. And I, British me at the at that point, I'm still British, but like the girl that was living in the UK before moving to Hong Kong couldn't imagine ever not ah. playing the oboe. Okay. And then I move here and it just, for various different reasons, owing to <laughs> weather in the summer, because, you know, a lot of gigs are outside. It's right. so hot. Right. I actually, I did play it with a piper when I first moved here, same piper that's in Arbury, Chris. Um, and I, I kind of would get very lightheaded. I actually oh. I fainted one time. Oh, wow. Because the oboe is, um, there's a lot of pressure to play the oboe. And when it's, this hot and this humid that's not a great combination so indoors with air conditioning much easier but a lot of the gigs I was getting were in bars right and right the oboe just it's lost or miking it up is difficult and it just didn't seem to it wasn't wanted mm. by a lot of the people that I was playing with I don't mean that in a bad way it's just <laughs> I made it sound really terrible. No, 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 it's funny, it's funny. Um, it, Poor Nemo. I know, Look, yeah. I went to start a Nemo fan club. <laughs> like, um, you know, with the, the punk band, for example, I, I think I made a joke one time where I was like, oh, I'm going to bring my oboe, and they will just look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> a nutter. So, <laughs> how, 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 I guess you'd have to be a musician in a punk band, uh, in a folk punk band, to get that. To understand why that's even a thing or how that could be a thing um okay yeah so with the with the oboe i just wasn't playing it as much and then it just kind of got it got put away in a case and mm -hmm. then all the gigs were being done on fiddle and and i next thing you know five years has passed and okay. i haven't played um and interestingly this meant that i kind of rediscovered discovered but like I kind of discovered who I am without the oboe because I think we've been so inseparable in right, right. the UK I kind of identified myself through an instrument and I don't really think that's healthy uh, moving to Hong Kong I've been able to find out who I actually am right without the music and be okay with who I am right eventually I'm getting there um, but isn't that it's not a, a trajectory or, or a journey or a path that you know, that we all, like to a certain sense, you have the sense of self, especially when you come out of university, mm. you, you, it's such an intense time and you're growing and changing and all the, you know, you're, you're trying to decide 
who you really are. Yeah. And then, so in your mind, you have this identity that you, in your case, uh, you attach, you know, you really anchored it to, to Nemo. Yeah. And then you start discovering or de- developing beyond that. And, mm. but how, okay, if you, if you were to find a thread leading from the UK, following you along, oboe, violin, living on Lama, performing, not having your audiences, the isolation, in, in a way, like, it's really interesting that, that as a performer, you depend, and I love the way you describe it, like your crash pad. Like I've done rock mm. climbing. So your, rock, your crash pad is the audience, right? Which is yeah. so interesting to use that word. And then, but the thing that really found, that you found such deep resonance, uh, pun intended, is <laughs> that it's through archery. Yeah. And so, which is a very solitary. True. So so how, how do you tie all that together? I tie it all together by... So the calmness that archery has brought me has made me be able to just go out and so for example now that Hong Kong is doing okay with the, the cases um, I think we haven't had any yeah, like 30 local days ones which yeah, has been imported right yeah so uh, sticking with all the guidelines of course doing the um, what is it six people at a table now or like basically whatever the bars or the restaurants tell us is allowed we're sticking to the rules but just being able to go out and socialize but being able to do that as a as a sane person Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) um because before i moved to Lama, i was in new territories and i wasn't seeing people and i was still going into work my school was still open but we didn't have the kids there okay and the teaching staff was being well we were all social distancing so right. only half the school was in we're a tiny school so we've got i think staff our staff number is 23 people and in one day 12 people would be in and then right, then right right the right. other half would be in um and so i was just not seeing anyone mm-hmm. and Honestly, I think I forgot how to socialize. Uh-huh. Okay, well, there was that <laughs> um, impact. Because sure. I wasn't doing the gigs and I wasn't going out and I wasn't seeing people. And when I was at work, we were socially distancing. Mm. And this went on for months. As I, I you know, I, people across the world can yeah. understand this. Yeah. Um, again, I know it's nothing, nothing special. But the archery has been able to keep me focused, give my mind clarity help me regulate my emotions mm-hmm. so all of the stress that was wow. building up yeah. because i wasn't releasing it at yeah. gigs and i wasn't releasing it on like going for dinners with friends and just having a good time and um or just being out mm-hmm. i wasn't doing any of this so the archery gave me that release so that when i did finally start uh going out again being able to do gigs I was able to regulate myself. The stress mm. wasn't pouring all out. Right, well, right. there were times, my friends will tell you this, <laughs> there were times when I wasn't in control. Sure. Um, uh, which is, I feel sad to admit, but it's also good for me to be able to say that out loud. There have been times where I have just been a complete mess. Right. But archery has helped me, and bringing back my oboe skills. All of this has right. helped me to regulate, self-regulate, can keep my emotions controlled, and I'm doing much better now. Especially since moving to Lama, right? Doing much better right. now, right. and so I'm able to actually go out and enjoy the relaxed measures sure, now, sure, sure. without worrying that I'm going to. I don't know, just start crying or something or right. like get a bit overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like with the gig in the mall, I, I remember the first time I did it, I was genuinely worried that I was going to get overwhelmed and, because there were so many people Yeah, around. yeah, yeah. No, I understand But actually that. the Caleb Mall is fine. It's yeah, yeah. really not that crowded. And when you're playing there, you have members of the staff walking around making sure people don't come okay, okay, too close. Okay, so actually okay. it was quite nice. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> 
But yeah, I think that's how I would explain why archery is such a solitary thing and can help me to be more social because it's given me, it's helped me to start that journey of really self-regulating and letting things go, focusing on myself and the actions that I'm doing and making sure I'm just being a good person in society and... You describe yourself as being like this... Like, trying. But I mean, trying you, to be a you good seem, person. You seem very uh, well-adjusted. The oh, seems I have to be my working. moments. We all do. <laughs> so listen, Jenny Page, look, this has been great. I've, I've had you, we've been speaking for a while now, and uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm glad, I'm glad I pushed myself to, to do this. Shooting it raw? Yes. Shooting it raw.